2: or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
0: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSEN, the sports betting network
3: along here it's Sharp Money, live from the D, downtown Las Vegas. Dustin Sweetelson, Amal Shaw, Had a lot of great interviews today. You catch all of them anywhere you get your podcasts. Also, vcin.com and the Vison app. You want to hear Evan Washburn, Matt Millen, Mike Palm. But we saved the best for last, for being totally honest. Scott Spreitzer, our buddy, professional handicapper, coming down for the first time to hang out at the D. What do you think so far?
4: Well, you guys are killing me. You know, I, I park at the uh, Circa <laughs> garage. That's not the part that killed me. The walk didn't kill me. It was about three whiskey bars on the way here. <laughs> and you not been able to stop. Yes, that's me. the hardest part for me every day. Then I come in this place and I see
3: Sigma Hold Derby on, 30 you know Sigma feet Sigma from Derby. your desk. Of course. Who doesn't know Sigma Derby? I, I, so since we <laughs> moved here, I had no idea anything about Sigma Derby. We had Mike Palm on <laughs> earlier and I had to tell him the first time we did, we did our first Friday last week was the first moment I had FOMO. Because oh. Sigma Derby was packed and everyone was drinking and wooing and having a good time. And it was the first time I was like, man, I wish I wasn't working right now and I was over at Sigma Derby.
4: Do you dabble? It's been a long time. I don't know if there's. I mean, I think I heard Palm. I was kind of listening to you guys on the way in, and I think you heard there's like this is the only one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's in, left. in the
4: state. So yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to. But uh, I just came down basically to let everybody know all the books in the state of Nevada, the Derek Stevens properties, Mike Palm, uh, that I've talked to my attorney and I'm filing lawsuits because I wanted to bet Dallas last week and I didn't, <laughs> and I'm blaming <laughs> the books for that. So.
3: Yeah. Uh, it was. It was one of the rare good calls for me, although I completely negated it. So. So how. Uh, how did week one go for you?
4: Two and two. Um, contest two and three and uh, the two and two involved uh, well, let me see wins were Tennessee and the Jets so I was thinking one and three you know third quarter into the third quarter of that Jets game so two and two
0: and
3: I um, uh, turned it off he had money line on the Jets oh
0: did you well I said listen They're down 10 3. Zach Wilson looked like Zach Wilson against New England last year. I said, This is a dead nut loser. I don't need to give another hour and a half to this game. Well, I did the same thing. I turned off my phone. I literally,
4: I was talking with like the five guys in my circle, seven guys in my circle, whatever it was. And I said, There's no reason to sit here. I'm going to take the wife out to dinner. We might go to a movie, whatever. And so, I mean, it was literally two hours later that I turned on my phone. I'm going to say 9.30 Pacific time at night, long after the game's final. And I've got like seven text messages, turn your damn TV on. And I'm um, like, what, what are they trying to put me through more pain? You know, the game was already over. These yeah. texts were old. And I look at the score and I, I was, it just made my day, obviously. Because I had, uh, like I said, two and two on Sunday. Uh, and money combined and I had the Patriots which could have made that a three and one if they don't screw up about a million times in that game Yeah, uh, plus five in that game So it was a situation where it two and two felt like four and oh after the Jets cashed that
0: ticket Doesn't normally feel like four and oh when you're two and two But that's what it felt like thinking I was losing that game I, I'm with you on that Pats game. I had the Pats game as well And uh, that one went a little bit sideways thought they should have taken that field goal down yes. by eight Cut it to five. I thought that was a missed opportunity in the game. But, again, it's easy to make a hindsight call. I just didn't have the confidence of Mac Jones. I said to Dustin, Mac Jones looks like a 45-year-old man out there playing quarterback.
4: Yeah, I don't mean to say most people, when they use this word they're about to use, it's extremely insulting. I don't mean it that way. I mean it because I agree. He looks like he can't move real well when yeah. he needs to. And, you know, I was sitting there going, you know, the guy looks like a stiff <laughs> and I'm not trying to, like I said, because he looks stiff. Yeah. You, you know, can't, and you can't win
3: that way anymore. No, you can't. Like that.
4: And uh, so I was highly disappointed. And yet they had their chances to win that game. You know, a couple of different coaching moves going for the field goal, I think would have been the right move, as Amal just said. And uh, just a disappointing day. And, you know, Tennessee was fortunate to get there. They lost by a point. They were down by four late in the game and uh, ended up covering that point spread. And that was a bet that I had made like six weeks earlier. I think we talked about it on one of our shows uh, when we were over at the, uh, the South Point. But uh, no, it's great to be here, man. This is like the closest thing I felt to a Saturday night Stardust Light radio show in a long time (laughs) because we used to have a Dais, a little bit smaller than this, but we had a Dais. We were right in front of the sports book, the ticket counter. And on a Saturday night in football season, let me tell you, there'd be that place would be packed whenever it held 500 people. And they're screaming and yelling and you're trying to do your show. You, you've got people walking up, putting their arms around you because they've had a few too many as you're doing the show. It was a blast. And then when you'd have guys come down, like we had Joe Frazier on the show, yeah. Jerry Tarkany, and they'd come down and do the show. And it would be even more packed. I mean, it was like wall to wall. So I, I've always been one of those guys who loves doing a show in, in, in. You know, when your arms like basically from it's in the elements for radio. It's absolutely perfect.
3: Scott are with us at uh, Docsports.com. You can find him there. Professional handicapper. Been doing this forever in this business. So when we talk about looking back at your NFL and having what you assessed as like a not not what you wanted weekend. Right. Right. How do you then transition to week two? What changes in the handicap? How do you avoid the overreactions? Do you look at what you've watched in week one? Or do you look back at your notes and what you previewed for the season more? Like, where are you in your process in looking at week two? Because I've heard it from football people. This is where teams make their biggest progressions. Sure.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Tom Osborne used to say a team makes their biggest moves between game one and game two when he was at Nebraska. So now you're taking it to the NFL level. I'll tell you a difference between, you know, I've been doing this now since 1989 When i went to work at the age of 22 for national sports services and we were all about sports betting and i became a so-called national handicapper during the stardust line years and that was like 1995 when i started doing the tv shows when i started doing this at the age of 22 i was square as it gets i was a sucker and i would say something like you know team a looks so bad they got beat you know Pittsburgh, 27 to seven. Oh, they'll be lucky to win five games this year. Run to the window next week. Oh, Cleveland looked dominant. I got to jump on Cleveland. Here's my my money. Go ahead and take it. And the difference now is is to look. You, you got to make your power ratings obviously well before the season, which I do adjust for injuries throughout fall camp, all that kind of stuff. What you see a little bit in preseason, but you don't know, put too much put too much into that. And then I don't adjust my power ratings that much. You know, and and, and so for me, when I see an overreaction like what I think, and I could lose this game. Tampa Bay and Chicago that's an overreaction you know and and again you don't win every time there's an overreaction that you go against that overreaction but uh, a lot of times it keeps me off games that I would have lost and then other times you make that play and you get that win so that's the biggest thing is just and especially in the NFL you just don't get too caught up in what happened in week one or what happens from week to week Uh, you know there's there's really nice numbers that point to the Giants coming off scoring zero points you know, I'm, I'm like you guys. I'm an under guy this year with the Giants. We've got them under the wins total. Uh, didn't play the game last week. Watched them look as bad as any NFL offense has looked in the last 20 years. But you've got to be careful from overreacting because, man, it'll bite you in the rear end real quick.
0: Uh, Scott, to your point, I'm with you on the Giants. I didn't understand the affinity based on Daniel Jones running around against the Minnesota defense. Sure. This team was non-existent throughout most of the regular season. And then all of a sudden, they have one decent playoff game against the Vikings. And everybody wants to anoint them. My only point on Tampa was this. I didn't necessarily buy the hype that they were going to be as bad as, you know, there are some assertions that they're going to be there with Tampa. I'm sorry, with Arizona. And of course, the Houston Texans. I still think the defense is still pretty good. I think it'll keep them in some games. And if Baker doesn't make turnovers, they're not going to win a ton of games, but this team could get to seven, eight wins, eight, nine wins in this average to below average division. Aren't bakers known for turnovers? It's one of the staples of being a good baker. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, and Jeff
4: Sims, I think, just landed an NIL deal for uh, Apple turnovers. From, oh, my you know, God. Anyway. Oh. Uh, but, uh, but I was going to say real the quick Nebraska about The Nebraska quarterback. Oh, geez. Well. Well, maybe former. Maybe a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say about Tampa Bay. You know, I heard you guys just before I came up here talking about, uh, about the fact that they were revealing – what they saw what Baker Mayfield saw on the Minnesota defense he
3: literally knew their their yeah. signals
4: and they still got out by 150 yards. You know he had 240 yeah. yards. Baker Mayfield seems like one of those guys man. You definitely like him on your team when you're winning a football game. He's Confident to the point of being really cocky. Uh, I don't know if I want him when I'm down 21 to 3 no. uh, But the bottom line is is that you know I can remember it was years ago at least 20 years ago. It was like a Sunday night or a Monday night football game and It was the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to say, and I forget who they were playing. And and they got beat, and they couldn't do anything on offense. And about two days later, one of the defenders for the opposing team came out and said, well, the running back, I'm just going to say Robert Newhouse, even though it wasn't him. Robert Newhouse had his mouthpiece out on every pass play when he went down uh, in his stance, and he had his mouthpiece in on every running play. And we picked it up about eight plays into the game. And I'm like, wow. why, why would you, why do you even tell anybody
3: that? Now you know, he's it's, go, just, it's, it's like in baseball, though, every time he threw a curveball, he tilted his glove to the yeah. side. Why would you tell everyone exactly. that? It's and don't insane. let the pitcher know that
4: you found that, you know. Yeah. Or, or, so I, I hear those things, and I just scratch my head sometimes about just keep your mouth shut, go out there, play hard, you know, and, and keep those secrets to yourself.
3: Because it's like when most people commit a crime. They want to tell people that
0: they (laughs) got away with it. It's the same
3: thing. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Well, that line flipped for this week. Minus one and a half originally Chicago on the road. They're now catching a field goal. I might just on principle just bet Chicago to bounce back because I love the back teams that lost in week one. Oh, sure.
4: Backing teams a lot and backing teams that looked really bad, even even if it was just the final score that looks bad in week one. I I jotted down a couple of notes besides the fact that, you know, the Bucks got out out gained by 127 yards in that game. Uh, Minnie finished with a plus three, excuse me, a minus three turnover ratio in that game against Tampa Bay, which was the difference. I mean, Mayfield, 61% of his passes, that's all he completed, 5.1 yards per pass. As a team, Tampa Bay ran for 2.2 yards per carry. You don't win in the NFL with those numbers unless the other team is making mistake after mistake, which is what happens. So I do believe there's value on the Bears here. You know, teams that win the turnover margin win 69.6% of their games in the NFL. It's as
3: simple as that. Between turnovers, third down, time of possession, there's like – You could boil it down to five or six categories that you focus on.
0: And if you back those teams, you will probably be more successful than not. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. The one thing I'll push back, guys, on with Tampa is I think their defense is the second best unit in the division of the offenses and defenses within that division. You don't have to convince me. I'm higher on on Tampa Bay than most. Well, because, Scott, one of the things we have railed against all week is Desmond Ritter. (laughs) I mean, this guy is a detriment to the Atlanta offense. you uh, To me, I'm like, just go direct snap to Bijan. Maybe he <laughs> can throw a halfback pass. I have no idea. But the bottom line is, give me an extra blocker because Des- Desmond Ritter is a liability. A liability. He's too
4: small. All that stuff rolled into one. And I, I'm just shocked when I see NFL teams who their job is to scout these players and then make a draft pick like yeah, that. He, you he's know, just probably
3: the least gifted quarterback we've seen in a while. Just get handed a job the Absolutely. way he has. Yep. Yeah. There's no battle, nothing. It's just his job to lose. All right. Scott's got a bunch of plays in college and in the NFL. We'll kick it over to the college side of things next because he's laying it in an interesting non-conference matchup between the Big Ten and the ACC. That's on the other side of Sharp Money.
5: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
2: Hi, checking in for.
5: Or the perfect table.
2: Hey, where are you? Coming!
5: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever.
6: Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
3: Best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our vcin.com slash picks page. You can sort the picks by sport, by matchup, event date, and more. Check the top experts leaderboard, and you can view betting records, profit, and ROI to see which expert has the hot hand. For Vison pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a visON pro subscriber today. Sign up today for $19 for your first month, vison.com slash subscribe. This is Sharp Money. I'm Dustin Sweetelson with Amal Shaw. And we've got our, our buddy Scott Spritzer with us at the D. And that's the perfect read to transition because Scott came with a, a lot of picks. <laughs> All, you know it's football season when Scott's got like a page of picks that he wants to go over. So the first one I want to tee you up on here, really interesting matchup. You've got North Carolina without their stud receiver, mm-hmm. Tez Walker, which, by the way, I saw an article from Matt Hayes, I think it was, with the headline. UNC should just play Tez Walker and let the NCAA sort out the punishment later. Uh, Secondly, (laughs) they're taking on Minnesota and laying seven points. No Tez Walker, though, in this one, officially, I think. So you're going to lay the points with the Tar Heels against P.J. Fleck and the Gophers. Yeah,
4: I'm kind of, you know, the line has moved. I mean, it opened six and a half on Sunday. I had a, a better back east that I know real well who he called me and he said, what do you make this number before it came out? And I said, eight and a half. And it came six and a half, and now it's up to as high as seven and a half guys in some books. So obviously the best number is gone, but uh, I'm all for Tez Walker playing now and dealing with the uh, ramifications later, but he's not going to. Uh, but anyway, I look at Minnesota and I just see these lackluster wins. and again, you're trying not to overreact to a game or two uh, that offense. boy, they stunk on ice against Nebraska, and uh, they have not been they were too hot against Eastern Michigan. They did nothing in the second half against Eastern Mish. Uh, beat them 25-6, to an outman team. And I don't even care that they ran well against Eastern Michigan. Uh, it was 10-6 to at the half. It was 13-6 to with two minutes to go in the third quarter. Their offense totaled 16 points in that game on three field goals and a touchdown. And even if Tez Walker's out, when you take on North Carolina, you've got to be able to score points. And we've got a heavy, heavy quarterback advantage, of course, with Drake May in this one, even if he doesn't have his favorite uh, go-to guy. 73% passer thus far, and I still don't see him hitting his stride yet in these first couple of games. I I think they're going to get the job done here. I got nothing but respect for P.J. Fleck. I mean, he's, you know, nine-game-a-year winner with Minnesota. He takes a lot of heat uh, because of his personality and row the boat and all that kind of stuff. But (laughs) I think the heels are going to be too much here. I just – YOU KNOW, ONE THING ABOUT WHEN A player's OUT, A GOOD PLAYER OUT, YOU GUYS KNOW THIS, IF IT'S A DECENT PROGRAM OR IN THE NFL, A GOOD FOOTBALL TEAM, IS THEY RALLY AROUND THAT STAR WHO'S OUT AND OTHER GUYS MAKE PLAYS. I JUST DON'T THINK MINNESOTA'S GOING TO BE ABLE TO KEEP UP FOR THE ENTIRE 60 MINUTES OF THIS ONE.
0: I, I WOULD AGREE WITH YOU. AND I'LL TELL YOU ONE THING, YOU LOOK AT THIS CAROLINA TEAM COMING OFF OF A TOUGH OVERTIME WIN AGAINST APPALACHIAN STATE. Uh, you mentioned, but Pace Warren Jones, the guys have been able to step up for this team on the perimeter. Drake may, you know what I think people forget? He's such a great dual threat. He's not just the ability when the play breaks down. And Minnesota guys, they're anemic offensively. There's no offense. There's no offense. Look, I kept on saying last year, Muhammad Ibrahim is so underrated and underappreciated. Even, I was not a big Tanner Morgan guy, and I can't pronounce the young Greek kid's name, but I can tell you this, he's not even as good as Tanner Morgan. No, sure. no,
3: no, no. And uh, look, It's weird for Minnesota because the defense is so good. If they had any semblance of an offense, they'd be great. Or not great, they'd be good. Ranked eighth nationally, fourth in scoring last year was the defense for Minnesota. But the offense just, they they have no passing attack, they have no vertical game. If UNC starts scoring, they'll absolutely be in trouble. So I understand where you're coming from laying the seventh.
4: And that offensive
0: line was overwhelmed by Nebraska in that first game. You know, I mean, just completely overwhelmed. Scott, I agree with you. Another thing here, guys south carolina has a far more competent in offense and better quarterback we saw them take care of business just team played well uh app state they were effective moving the ball particularly in the second half against north carolina but i think this is a good spot here for carolina i just don't see the gophers having it the way they're going to win this game minnesota or keep it within the number if they're plus two in the turnover category and if they can control the ball on the ground which i don't think they'll be able to
3: i have a fun fact for you historically this came via the star tribune The last win for Minnesota against a ranked non-conference team, their national championship season of 1960. (laughs) They beat number 12, Nebraska, 26 to 14 in Lincoln. And are one ten and 1 since 19, 1960 in those matchups. Was Joe Salem a
4: head coach? I'm trying.
3: <laughs> it was before <laughs> my time. I thought it was. Uh, what, what was the TV show coach? <laughs> with, coach uh, Hayden Fry. Hayden? Oh yeah, Hayden no, Fry. No, it was Hayden Fox. Hayden Fox, Fox. Hayden Fox on Hayden TV. Fox. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a great show. Jerry yeah. Van Dyke, the defensive coordinator, right? <laughs> that's Craig, right.
0: Craig T. Nelson, yeah. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson.
3: <laughs> Wasn't was was the big
0: dumb blonde Thunderbird? Is that
3: his last name? Bill
0: Thunderbird, I think, is his
3: name. It's an all-time show. Then all of a sudden, remember they took over a franchise team and they drafted. Jonathan, I'll never forget that show. I love that show. <laughs> it's a great show. All right, let, let's, let's go back to your bets. So you okay. have a bunch of interesting college ones here. Uh, let's go with Washington. They're laying 16 on the road in East Lansing. Obviously a lot hanging over this, this Michigan State program at this, at this time. They already don't have enough offense. Now they have a distraction, and you've got Michael Penix coming into town, <laughs> and all the Huskies have done so far this year is take care of business against inferior opponents.
4: If you watched last year's game, let's go back to that first. It was a 39-28 Washington Huskies victory in that contest. Uh, They passed for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns in that game uh, without an interception, interception. that, of course, being Pennix. And the only reason the Spartans even came within 11 points in that contest was because of Peyton Thorne and his ability. But he doesn't reside in East Lansing anymore. And I bet you he's really happy now with everything that's going on Uh, THAT HE MADE THE uh, TRANSFER TO AUBURN. Uh, BUT, YEAH, I MEAN, I LOOK AT THIS AND, AGAIN, IT'S A a MICHIGAN STATE TEAM. I DON'T LIKE THEIR OFFENSE. I THINK THEY'RE GOING TO HAVE TO TRY TO PLAY KEEP UP, BUT THEY'RE NOT going to be able to with the Huskies you now playoff contender we've all said that at some point this summer the offense is going to be tough to stop after rolling up 99 points against Boise State and Tulsa combined that's the same Boise team that just held UCF Central Florida to 18 points and I don't like to like compare too many teams and their offenses and styles but that was still a great job by that Boise defense and we saw Washington have a little trouble against them. This is just a spot where, listen, Michigan State was so-so in the first half against both Central Michigan and Richmond. And what they did against Central Michigan was wear down a lower-level team, a team that maybe doesn't have the recruits that they do, and they were able to get the win in the second half. I mean, it's 10-7 to against the Chips at halftime. You know, but they they were able to pull away in the second half. And then you throw all the off-field stuff that's going on right now. You think, boy, transfers are probably coming real soon. The locker room can't be too cohesive right now against a Power 5 playoff-contending football team with a star quarterback, and everybody's on the same page in Seattle. i like him to go into uh, East Lansing and, and win this one by three or four touchdowns.
0: You know, we talked before the season, Ohio State having the best receiver room in college football. I think two weeks in, I'm going to point Washington at number sure. one. When you look at McMillan, Dunsie's had over 100 in both games, got 239 yards receiving so far in two games. Uh, I mentioned McMillan, and then you look at Polk as the third receiver. How are they always open? It is unbelievable, but Doonsie is a first-round pick. McMillan's going to be probably a you know somewhere in the first three rounds he's drafted. They've got absolute dudes at the receiver position. I think as long as Penix can avoid that one interception, he had one sure. against Tulsa. That's what separates Caleb Williams to me, it, and that's why I'm not as high on Michael Penix as you are. I don't think he's an NFL guy, but I I, I think he's a guy who's a good college quarterback in a good system. I would agree with that. There, um, this the offense is dangerous, but the problem for me in, in this game, I think they're going to blow Sparty out. I just don't think Michigan State's defense can slow down Washington offensively Washington here's how I look at this one while I'm looking at the wager total's 57 and a half fine if you want to look at it from that perspective you're looking at a score of 38 to 21 theoretically but for me I think Scott Washington's going to get 42 plus points and can Michigan State then get to 25 27 points or excuse me Twenty-six to be exact, but can they get to that number? I just don't see them doing it. Well, and this is something Amal and I discussed before. If you're betting that, then in that
3: scenario, that means you think they can cover in the back door. Exactly. Do you yeah. really want to place bets hoping for the back door cover?
4: Yeah, and I think the opposite's going to happen here. Maybe you get a, a, maybe you get a somewhat close first half, yeah. Yeah. and then Washington because of all their weapons, as you mentioned. I think Michael Penix is a very good college quarterback. I don't think he's next level. I think it's you the know system. starting type of. Oh, absolutely, it's I agree system. with that. But I think it's going to be just the opposite of what Mich State did against Central Michigan. Kind of a close first half, but this time they're going to be the team where the defense finally just wears down because they get no help from the offense. So uh, I'm with you, Ma. I haven't seen a team total on North. Uh, excuse me, on uh, on Washington in this game, but I think they top 40 points. I don't think Michigan State gets to 20.
3: I like Michael Penix is like a, a Graham Harrell, a, uh, a Josh Heupel, go lefty on lefty there. A guy who is the right fit for the system, he understands his role in getting the ball to his playmakers, and he's efficient with it. That, that's how I view Michael Penix. I don't think if you, if you really—if ran a different type of offense, if you needed Michael Penix to make plays, I think it would come a lot harder, as we saw at
0: Indiana. I would give him a little bit more credit than that, but uh, in terms of Penix, based on the comparisons you made, but I, I don't have an issue with that. All right,
3: well, you have a weird one here. Amal's always
0: yelling at me for getting weird <laughs> when I go to give out my plays. <laughs> I know Last you're week about. he
3: looked at me and he goes... <laughs> He goes, please, give out teams people have heard of. Okay. (laughs) You've got one of people we haven't heard of you're going to lay the points with UC Davis this week, huh? I'm just Tell me about it. I'm just, to win.
4: I'm just trying to win more than I lose, that's all. And uh, so, listen, I'm going to make this quick. We don't have a lot of time here, but Southern Utah has just got on the road two games in a row at Arizona State. Bad weather game. Played way into the night. Then they go up against Pro, uh, BYU and Provo. They get blasted 41-16. Completely worn down in the second half. Third straight road game. Remember Dan Hawkins? He's the coach at UC Davis. Oh. They've been nothing but a top 20 team since he got there in FCS. They're coming off an ugly loss to Oregon State, I think they're going to be
3: too much for Southern Utah, who ought to be a very weary team. Well, I don't know what league they're in, but Dan, uh, Dan Hawkins was yelling about, it's the Big 12. <laughs> we'll shift over to college football with Scott Spreitzer next. It's v Sharp Money. Now, and you'll get a free copy of Michael Lombardi's new book, Football Done Right. Just use the promo code Lombardi when you sign up. You want Michael to si- autograph the uh, copy. One more segment here. I just love the fact that you bet UC Davis still. It's still like my <laughs> favorite because I bet a lot of like Georgia State and Georgia Southern and Western Kentucky and Akron. And I I actually find, I don't know, maybe you find it as well. They're the ones that people aren't paying attention to and you can kind of see the discrepancies the best.
4: Oh, I couldn't wait to this. You know, the line doesn't come out to like, what was it, Tuesday or something like that. And I'm sitting there on Sunday night again talking with my little circle of guys and I'm going, I'm like, gosh, we got to get this UC Davis line. Somebody's got to put a line up. And it finally came 14 and a half, I think, on Tuesday. That's the problem
3: with these FCS matchups. I really wanted to bet week one San Diego, not San Diego State, Mm. San Diego. Can't remember who they were playing, but San Diego had a hazing incident. They were suspending more than half of their team. And it's a non-scholarship football program. So the guys on the roster aren't that good to begin with. And I was like, whatever the number is, I'm laying it with their opponent. <laughs> but I didn't wake up in time to, to catch the line, unfortunately. I usually
4: end up on about seven or eight FCS teams throughout the course of the season. You know, it's not a ton, but yeah, seven I, or eight when I, you find a
3: good spot. I think you have to. All right, let's go to the NFL, though, now. So we, we already touched on the Bears and the Bucks. Let's move to Chargers Titans. You've got the Chargers coming off a loss to Miami where they lost at home, going shot for shot with two in the Dolphins. And then you've got the Titans with a really eerie loss for them on the road in New Orleans where they probably could have won the game. Although that offense, Ryan Tanno looks like he has nothing left. What's your vibe on Chargers-Titans?
4: Yeah, I had the Titans last week, which was a nice cover. I wasn't sure they were going to get there with the way things were looking for a while. And I almost played the Chargers and I held off at the last second. And I mean, I had Pittsburgh and lost, so it wasn't like a Pittsburgh type of loss when they lost to Miami. I mean, having the Steelers last week was about as off target as a Megan Rapino penalty shot. But, um, you know, as far as this game is concerned, I'm like, I, I don't trust this Tennessee offensive line. I don't trust Tannehill anymore behind this offensive line. I don't think they're going to be able to do the kind of damage they're going to need to be able to knock off the Chargers whose offense is electric and going to be really good again. If you look at what happened, I know Eckler got a bit banged up. If you look at what he and Joshua Kelly did, Kelly got a lot of carries after uh, Eckler got a little banged up. They combined for 208 yards rushing on six and a half yards per carry in that loss to Miami. Their problem was that guy Tyreek Hill who just opened (laughs) things up for everybody else. And, you know, Tyreek Hill won't be with Tennessee this week, so they don't have to worry about that. But, uh, listen, this Titans defense is going to eventually wear down. That's a good defense but they got no support from that offense, and again, I think it's going to be one of those situations where you have to have a good defensive effort and probably score 27 points when you're facing the Chargers to have a good shot to beat this team. They weren't even at their best last week on offense. They put up 34 points. Uh, Herbert didn't really do that much through the air as much as I expected him to. I think that grows and grows by the week as he gets used to the new offensive coordinator to Kellen Moore, so uh, I do like the Chargers. Uh, they're minus three at last check. That's what I got was minus three, and I think they go into Tennessee and get that win. And again, just real quick, for those who haven't heard the myth buster that we've been talking about, myself and my friend Al McMorty oh, for all the, those years. the uh, time zone. The time zone thing is a total myth. Um, West Coast teams on the East Coast do not lose against the spread. Uh, we're going back to, like, the early 1980s. There was a real quick era there in the aughts in the early 2000s when some West Coast teams were really bad football teams, and they would lose everywhere, included on the East Coast. And I think that's where that got picked up. But West Coast teams on the East Coast actually win more than they lose against the number.
0: You know what? In betting, I've come to realize people come up with the most concocted theories of all time. Like I, my favorite is anytime time I hear in college basketball, they're like, oh, Duke's going to rest their guys. I'm like, really? Have you, ever, have you ever seen the rat? He plays everybody until the under four media timeout. It, it's like that nonsensical <laughs> stuff. In, in fairness to them, as someone who
3: is just looking for the evidence to make the play. And as you can judge from my bets, I don't need that much evidence, just a little bit of evidence. Uh, if you can find enough to convince you to do
0: something, you can convince yourself to do like either side of any bet if you do enough I, research. I don't disagree with you, but you're like a district attorney. You can prosecute a ham sandwich. I mean, <laughs> come on, you don't need any evidence here. You're ready to indict every play. I'm ready and, to fly. And you know what I've told people a million times? I mean, we dug
4: into this at least 10 years ago and started talking about it's it's not true correct information as logical as it sounds and you know listen if if the chargers go into tennessee and lose this football game it's not because Oh, their biological clock said they were, you know, three hours earlier than the actual kickoff. It's because they didn't play as well as the Titans in that game. But, uh, yeah, so
3: I just love to destroy myths when they come up. We really dig into it uh, with a 30- or 40-year database. Well, speaking of myths, there was a trend going around that everyone was in love with, including myself, home divisional dogs in week (laughs) one, and how they were covering it like an 80% clip going back about seven years. The Browns were one of the teams that did cover at home week one. They They ended up beating Cincinnati. They now are taking on the Steelers in that Monday Night Football doubleheader. So, what are you going to do with this one? Is there some sort of myth we can bust about Week Two divisional opponents? I,
4: I don't think so. I mean, I, I think sticking with divisional home dogs is not a bad way to go. Even though I think they went one and three, right? Yeah, it wasn't Cleveland good. the only yeah. win? And you're right; it was like 15-2 and one against the spread the previous uh, 18 times when you were in that position in Week One. Uh, and then Cleveland's the only team that came through. But I had. Both of these teams last week, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And as we know, Pittsburgh got their clocks clean. I don't think there's a better. Gosh, I don't know if I heard somebody mention this on your show earlier today when I was driving in or if it was another show last night. They all run together nowadays. But I was going to say, you know, they were talking about who's the team with the best 21 starters outside of, uh, you know, are in the NFL outside of the quarterback and That would be the Niners and I don't know if it was one of you guys it was, was it you yeah, yeah. and I completely agreed with that statement I don't think there's a better team when it comes to 21 players outside of the quarterback and, and Pittsburgh was a big letdown This is supposed to be an offensive line. That might be their best in 10 years a defense that might be its best in 10 years And, and they were not good, but I don't trust Deshaun Watson 67 rating last week got sacked a few times uh, he's not the Deshaun Watson we grew and loved in Houston before he got in trouble off the field. And, uh, and then you don't have Jack Conklin up front, you know, and not having yeah, Jack Conklin's a huge deal. That's a big loss. Yeah, so I, I think Pittsburgh bounces back uh, one of the two Monday night
0: games. I like the play on the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Crucial game after getting embarrassed into week one. Scott, I wanted to ask you from a theoretical standpoint, I have a big kind of theory on this, and, I, and I'm adamant about it. When you're betting, whether it's college football or college basketball, regardless of the number, pick the winner. Teams this week in the NFL went 14-2 and two regardless of the spread. Sure. The only two teams that lost the game that covered were Tennessee, because Mike Frabel made one of the worst coaching decisions we've seen in a while, right. and the Arizona Cardinals, who were getting seven. And my point being is, if you like a dog, whether it's two, three, four points, if you believe they're going to win the game, bet the money line. I'm not saying you've got to go whole thing, but I'm a guy like last night I had the Jets money line or two nights ago because I'm like, what are they going to do, lose the game by two points? Yeah, there are a couple of times you might lose by one or two points and you might cover that two and a half, but the reality of it is it comes down to just determine who's going to win the football game.
4: I-, I think it's a great start for sure. I- I'll bring the ex- exact numbers down next yeah. week. Uh, Speaking of that database, we went back a couple of years ago, we were looking at college football in the NFL and the average score, the average uh, victory margin uh, away from the spread. And in college for like 25 years running, it was over 12 points away from the spread. And in the NFL, it was around eight points away from the spread. So which is a great argument for why I never buy half a point in the NFL. I, I know there's some guys out there, you know, Billy being one of them, that talks about buying I won't buy a half point. I will not do it. I, when you look at the average margin of victory away from the point spread, you're devaluing your play and your money if you buy half
0: points. I, I think you bring up an excellent point. And people remember the time they bought it from three and a half to four and it lands four. Look at the other ninety games where it doesn't even come close to the number. Sure. I mean, you perfect example, the Browns and Bengals last weekend. Two, two and a half, didn't make a difference. Right. If you believed in the Bengals, you lost. If you believed in the Browns, you won. If you believed in the Steelers, they got crushed. Whatever. It doesn't I'm not criticizing the play. All I'm saying is stop being afraid of the number. Yeah. I, I can't stand when you're in line at the book and you see these guys putting in these nine team money line parlays. I'm like, dude. Bro, man up and take three <laughs> teams and show you at least have a sack. Come on, man, stop it. It's nonsensical. You want them to show your, show them your. No, I'm sack? saying at least bet right. You know, I'm
3: telling you, I see these guys putting in these parlays. Oh, like, I don't understand. I don't understand like the the minus two hundred, the minus one set. Sa- I don't get that. I don't understand that mindset.
0: That's what I'm saying. I I think people are so afraid of points in football. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone talks about, well, you didn't get the best number. Johnny and I had this conversation about college football. I said, Johnny, I'm going to tell you right now. Bama, Texas, I said the line is wrong. It should be three. I said, I don't care if the line moves down to one. I said, Texas is going to win the game outright. And my point being is that most of these games, if you think Dustin and I talked about this, I'm only taking a dog for the NFL. Anybody can be gotten on any given Absolutely. day. Absolutely. But college, I'm taking a dog that I think's got a chance to win the game. I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell Michigan State can win on Saturday. I would never take them with the points because I don't think they can win the game. Solid arguments. I'll bring those exact numbers down yeah, next week. It kind of supports what it. I'm all saying right. right now.
3: Dogs win every single week, so I think I think that's how you ha- how you should, you should approach it. Scott, thanks for stopping by. Good to see you guys, man. Thanks thanks for you nice to see you, see
0: buddy. All
3: right, we'll wrap things up. I'm going to throw a top 10 at Amal next. My top 10 college football rankings. And they're not based on the normal system. I know you're shocked. It's sharp money.
6: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex
5: dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's p-a-c-a-s-o dot
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the
6: Sports Betting Network.
3: Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, Download the app now and use code SHARP to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHARP, the crown is yours. Final segment of the program, Dustin Sweetelson alongside Amal Shaw at the D in downtown Las Vegas. This is Sharp Money, VSYN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, Amal, I told you I wanted to throw something at you here at the end of the show. Normally we do a top 10, I do a bunch of weird stuff. It's usually stuff you don't care about. You get nose deep in the iPad where I think you're gonna crack the glass with your schnoz and and we lose (laughs) you for four or five minutes. This time I'm gonna throw at you my top 10 college football rankings as of right now. So what I'm doing is giving credit to programs that have played tough games out of conference games or had big wins against ranked opponents to start the year I'm also going to factor in some of the carryover for teams from last year, but I'm not going to weigh that much on it simply because I think this year should matter and we should give credit to the teams that schedule tough opponents. Completely agree. So, all right, let's start at the bottom where I have a tie for the number 10 spot. Go ahead. I couldn't choose between these two high powered offenses. I like what I've seen so far. I don't think they've really been tested and that's where I have Penn State tied with Washington. I liked what Penn State did against West Virginia. You got to take care of a business of a lesser opponent like that that should be better. Neil Brown's definitely on the hot seat for the Mountaineers. And on the other side for Washington, I have to give them credit for playing Boise State. Starting the year with them out of the Power Five, if you're a Power Five school, they're one of the non-Power Fives you do not want to see early in your schedule because they could mess things up for you. They took care of business there. The offense looked awesome. Both those offenses had to be on my list, so I guess... It's technically a top 11.
0: I, I got no problem with that, I agree with both teams. I'd give slight edge right now, probably to Washington, just because of their offense early on. However, I think Penn State's defense is a little bit tougher, actually by a pretty good margin compared to Washington's. I would love to see this be a Rose Bowl. What oh. a matchup it would be, Washington-Penn oh. State. I would, you know
3: what? That's one of the few games I would actually want to be at. I, I was thinking the, the exact Rose Bowl, thing is
0: amazing. It's like, amazing. You
3: know what's funny about the Rose Bowl? It's a thing I trashed my entire life, because it's the Big Ten and it's the Pac-12 that I've never – I didn't live in the in Pac-12 land until I was older before I moved to Vegas. And it was the thing I just didn't get. And then I went to uh, it was Florida State Auburn in the national championship. Jameis Winston
0: 2013.
3: And we pull in on the media bus into like a neighborhood and they drop us off like in a subdivision to walk through to get to the Rose Bowl. And I went walked in the stadium, looked at the mountains. The sun was coming down. I went, okay, I get it. It's awesome. I still think they've held college football captive for the last few years, though.
0: They have. But, you know, Patrick's from the Midwest. I'm from the Midwest. And I got to tell you, anybody that grew up in the Midwest, there is nothing better than on New Year's Day, 445 Eastern time. You're waiting for that kickoff as the sun starts to set on the San Gabriel Mountains. And you're like, why do I not live in this weather? Well, yeah, it's
3: January 1st in the Midwest. This looks amazing. All right, let's go to number nine, where I think some people might have issues with this, and that's Duke. Do I think Duke is the ninth best team in the country? No, but they had a win that should propel them to nine, in my opinion, on this list so far. Things will eventually work itself out, and they would work themselves out of my top ten. But at the moment, Duke beating Clemson, that is a massive win for this program. It's one of the better wins of the year. The only reason they're not higher is because I do have to factor in who is on the team. I love Riley Leonard. I think he's a legit pro quarterback. But I still have to factor in the talent on this team, and it's not as good as the ones above them.
0: Completely agree with you. Got no qualms with a good win against Clemson. They beat Lafayette 42 to 7. This team's gotten off to a fast start. They got Northwestern laying 18 and a half this weekend. Love the way the Blue Devils are playing. All right, number eight on my list is a team I did not think I would have ranked right now.
3: It's a team that I was low on this year going into the season, but I think credit needs to be given because they scheduled two opponents out of conference to start the year. One, they start things off with uh, which Michigan directional? Was it central? No. Who are you talking about? The Wolverines? They played I'm talking about Miami.
0: The, uh, I'm sorry, Miami. They played, uh, Was it? I don't remember who they played It was the purple
3: opener. and uh, the maroon That's and yellow ones. I thought Miami central. played
0: Texas A&M and, uh, against uh, Bethune-Cookman. No
3: they, no, they didn't play Bethune-Cookman. Uh, they might have them
0: coming up, but yeah, yeah, I can't they remember. They have them coming up this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, they played sorry. Miami of
3: Ohio. Miami, Miami of Ohio. Ohio. That was the battle for the real Miami. My mind went blank there. So Miami of Ohio, they they beat the snot out of them 38-3. to 3. And people were high on this sophomore quarterback from Miami of Ohio. Yeah. And they thought he was going to give the Hurricanes a test. In fact, I did as well. I bet on Miami of Ohio. And then maybe it's because I bet against them both games. I also bet on Texas A&M, and I laid the points in South Beach. And Miami walked away with two big wins. A massive, massive beatdown of the Aggies last week. Tyler Van Dyke looked so much different this year compared to last year. Josh Gaddis has to be one of the most overrated coordinators we've ever seen in college football, What Shannon Dawson's doing with him. He looks special, but also, it's the first time Miami's had skilled guys make big plays in big games in a very long
0: time. I would agree with you. The Hurricanes look like they're trending in the right direction, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves if you're a Miami fan or, you know, supporter, because I don't think A&M's as good as people think they are or thought they were coming into the season. Their pass defense leaves a lot to be desired. But... There's a hope that the buildup and that on November 11th at Florida State could end up being interesting. They won't win that game, but they can make it fun. I think it'll be competitive because Florida State's got some question marks defensively. Uh, They're better than they were last year, but they're not elite. All right, let's go to seven. It'll be quick. They haven't really played anyone, but it's just an
3: evaluation based on last year and how many guys they brought back. I've got Michigan at seven. They win a, a game early in their schedule here. They'll jump up the list, but as of now, they've not been tested.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you, but I don't particularly like Michigan being at 7. I don't think it's justified. They even not great. They beat UNLV 35-7 to seven, uh, their first game of the season against East Carolina, the win 30-3. to three. I mean, Michigan puts up 65 points. I know that's an impressive number, but they should be putting up more points than they have based on the teams they played. I don't disagree. I thought I, there was a chance they weren't going to be on the yeah. top 10, but I'll like, say, how do I do this list yeah. without them? That's why Georgia's on the list, too, but in between them is Oregon. Love the Ducks being here. They get a great road. It's win. a huge win. Road win at Lubbock. Never easy place to play. Perfect example. A tough beat for people that had the Red Raiders in that I game. Did. But the bottom line is got to give the Ducks a ton of credit for going on the road, playing a power five in Lubbock. Not an easy place to get to. Defense looks better. Uh, Much better. Uh, Much better. Uh,
3: the, the offense, Bo Nix, I think, is a guy that we, we made fun of for a very long time when he was at Auburn. And he looks like a veteran out there. I, th- I think there's a lot of upside with Oregon. And they're just part of that Pac-12 that is just so freaking deep. All right, George is next up on the list at number five, but... They haven't played anyone. They haven't shown anything. We'll see a little bit more against South Carolina. I'm thinking about taking the points in the Gamecocks this week,
0: but I haven't really totally decided. I can't back Georgia yet. Uh, they didn't score in the first quarter against Ball State. You're saying, what's the big deal? They win the game comfortably. Look, you're the defending two-time national champions. You don't have anybody on your schedule. You've got to look good every time out.
3: And you're just going to all of a sudden become use the passing game more in a game that's harder to win. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand. Like, Carson Beck should be getting these game reps and game speed and throwing more passes. I think they've been super conservative right now, and maybe there's a reason for it. We'll see this week. This week will be a test. Number four is USC. They have not been challenged. They really haven't played anyone all that great. That's the only reason they're at four.
0: Yeah, but their offense, and I got to tell you, and I did not bet Caleb Williams to win the Heisman, but even though I've got Jordan Travis, to me, Caleb Williams right now is a prohibitive favorite. He is. 14 to one back in the summer. Yeah, it's a great number. All right, number three. Like I said, I'm going to give credit
3: to teams that schedule out of conference. They open with Florida. They go to Baylor. They
0: don't even have their starting quarterback. Utah is number three for me right now in college football. I think you got them ranked wrong, but I agree with you where you having them in this top ten. Top. They should be number one. They play the Florida Gators, an SEC team. They go on the road. They play Baylor, a Big 12 team. These are teams that are right there. This is a revenge spot. They get the Gators in that one. They dominate that football game. You mentioned it. uh they go in there with a the backup quarterback without Cam Rising. Uh, Bryson's done a nice job, but he's not going to be the starter probably no. this week. When you look at this team, uh, I just love the fact that these guys challenge themselves going in the non-conference. they got a hell of a schedule. Bryson Barnes, to me, didn't play particularly well. We'll see moving forward if Nate Johnson's going to get the full duration of the game against Weber State. All right, we're doing my top 10 college
3: football rankings. I'm doing it different than everyone else. I'm not factoring last year in as much. It has a little bit of a role in this. So brings us to number two, and that's Texas. And I know they didn't look great versus Rice. But here's the deal. The win against Alabama alone would make them number one in most years. Just this year's unique. That's the only reason they're not number one. That is a massive victory for this program. That's why they're two.
0: So I'd have Texas at two behind Utah. Uh, but to me, the fa- they've got the best win of the college football season so far. Oh, see, I, I don't think it's the best one. Okay, go ahead. I think Florida State's win over
3: LSU Because it was the best so dominant? Win. They beat up LSU so bad They were more physical. They were more athletic. That's why the Seminoles are number one for me right now. I loved what they did opening week. I don't care about what's happened since. Like, they are just – they were so dominant in that one performance. To me, they have to be number one as of right now. And these rankings could change in a week or two. We could have – we have the teams could – Get
0: knocked out because it's my system and I can make up the rules as I go along. Well, no fair, but I'll tell you what, I don't have a problem with Florida State being up there. I, I think this is probably the second best win just only because you're in a neutral site. But Florida State was dominant, dominant just against, against LSU in that second half. And and the other thing, what I talked about with Michigan and Georgia lacking, they did exactly that to Southern yep. Miss. They dominated them.
3: Thanks to Evan Washburn, Mike Palm, Matt Millen, and Scott Spreitzer for dropping by. If you missed any of those conversations, VEASAN.com and the app also, Anywhere you get your podcast, Tim and Sean are up next at circa it's visa primetime on the other side.